You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Interstate Batteries. Interstate Batteries has been a proud supporter of the Sportsman's Nation since day one. So if you need batteries for your truck, batteries for your trail cameras, TV remote controls, flashlights, you name it, Interstate Batteries has what you need. They have thousands of retail locations all over the United States. So stop in, talk to a battery specialist, or for more information, visit interstatebatteries.com. High tech may be cool, but craftsmanship is king. And I want to highlight a family business called Mercy Supply. Mercy Supply is a leatherwork and canvas and wax duck clothing company. They make accessories like bags, wallets, and aprons. In fact, I gave Rusty a call and he put together a custom order for me. I've got 60s vintage camo trimmed out in oxblood leather and copper rivets. This apron just is sick looking. I love it. It's bomb-proof construction, stitched really tight, and you're never going to be able to beat it up. And actually, the more that you use it, the more that you abuse it, the better it wears. So head on over to mercysupply.com. Everything is made in Byron Center, Michigan, hand-done in the good old U.S. of A. If you tell him that Huntivore sent you, he won't know what you're talking about because I didn't tell him that I was going to make him a commercial. But anyway, head over to mercysupply.com. Their stuff is built to stand up. Welcome to the Huntivore Podcast, powered by Sportsman's Nation where we celebrate the hunting and fishing lifestyle through the utilization and consumption of our wild game. No egos. Fork in hand, beer in the other. No status. A piece of red meat on a hot grill and turn it into a burnt offering. Just catch it, cut it, cook it. This is episode 47, or Danger Does It Again. Nick is joined by the creator of Musket Powder Seasonings, Ward Danger. Ward chats about his recent funk with a rifle setup and being photobombed by a crafty Tom. All is not lost as Ward was able to take down a bird and share some work he's done in the kitchen to amp up a wild turkey dish. The two guys go back and forth on some recipes and discuss Musket Powder Red, the new flavor Ward recently launched. This was a fun episode to record and I bet it will be as fun to listen in on. So let's get rocking. Well, hey, folks. Got a return guest again tonight. Uh, he's got a Texas-sized personality with Cajun charisma. In the kitchen, he can really put on a show, not just for us, but also his drooling labs waiting for the wrong flip of the spatula. He is the creator of a bangin' seasoning who is following up with another showstopper. I am speaking with Ward Danger of Musket Powder Seasonings tonight. Hey, Ward, thanks for uh, jumping on this evening. Uh, I was just like, wow, you were giving that description. I was like, I'd like to meet that guy. Yeah, that's a... 
That's that is uh, that is a little exaggerated, but I'll take it. I'll tell you what's not exaggerated. Those the dogs. Oh my gosh, those are the biggest beggars in the world. <laughs> I've got a, I've got a fresh one. I just got a new puppy to add because two labs wasn't enough. I just added added a third and um, on the front porch with her. Man, good talking to you. Yeah, well, good deal. The the pups labs specifically are those just a a breed that you really like? Are you doing a lot of waterfowl retrieving with them, or is that just a a breed you've just love come to love? Well, it's, uh, you know, by default, I've gotten into these labs. Um, I'm a big waterfowl hunter. I love it. Uh, so I'm, it's, it's no problem. It was easy to dive into. Uh, my, my first hunting dogs were, uh, I call, I don't know, everyone's got a different name for them. I call them muscle dogs. Um, but I'm talking like uh, just hunting dogs with grit. So I had a, a small terrier uh, for a while. I had a Patterdale terrier, and that dog was insane on the pigs. And I was looking into getting a blue lacy, which is a bigger, uh, bigger grit dog, a uh, good pig dog, good blood trailing dog, just a good muscle dog. And, uh, my wife kind of asked for a lab and we found a really good deal on one. And here we are, we've got three now. So <laughs> I, the next one will be a muscle dog though. Cause that's, I mean, it is, uh, it'll be overrated. I mean, uh, overdue for one. So I'll, I'll definitely get another one and we need them because they, uh, when I had my muscle dogs when I was younger, we used them for everything except getting birds. So, yeah, you've got your bird dogs. But these dogs can do just about anything else. They're, they're amazing. That's awesome. Yeah, we had a um, Border Collie and an Australian Shepherd mix. It was, uh, it was two homes that each of them had, the mom and the dad, and the dogs got loose and found each other. And then nice. there was this litter of puppies. So we were like, hey, let's, let's get a dog. And little did we know that, yeah, we were getting a dog with grit. This, this dog was like a SWAT team leader. And mm-hmm. Woodchucks did not stand a chance. It no chance. it was nasty when he would find one. Uh, my my father loved it because you know the, none of the none of the pole barns, none of the farm barns were getting dug into by these things. But man, he was just an animal. Um, sadly, he's passed away now. There were two years off of that, but we've now the family is on board to get a dog, and it's like we're almost going in full circle we, we haven't gone to the lab but we're at a a uh, a golden doodle that's what we're going to so we went, okay we're going from a SWAT team leader to probably like camp counselors <laughs> yeah that sounds about right yeah it's crazy the the last uh terrier i had uh, a great dog i had was a patterdale and it's the size that my puppy is now and it was black just like my puppy a lot of people thought it was a lab puppy um so it, i am kind of having like flashbacks on the s owning that demon yeah but um now what so did you do funny. what did what did the terrier do is that like a, a small small game dog or just a yeah so we call we she did everything uh we would send her like we, we call them a ground dog and they will go into a burrow and you have to chase behind them with a shovel and, and basically dig and you never know and their their tail they once they latch onto something you pull their tail out and like you see what they're latched onto like they're usually latched onto a gray fox if they're going under um but we would do that with the hay bales. We would those uh, raccoons would make a uh, like a highway in those hay bales in the wintertime. and we would send we'd remove a couple bales and we'd send her in those little tunnels that those raccoons would make. And then next thing you know, it'd just be World War Three. And so we're chucking hay bales, looking for this dog. And then you finally find her. And there's usually a raccoon they're latched up with, and you got a 22 or a ball peen hammer, and you 
you, you stop the situation. Oh yeah, man, that is World War Three. I mean, yeah, I, I, I've seen terriers in action, but at the same time, I've got personal experience with raccoons, and yeah, they are pound for pound sobs, man. <laughs> we had something a, else. This, this same one, we had a, uh, we took her hog hunting with us, and she couldn't keep up with the pit bulls and the hound dogs because she was itty bitty little legs. So we'd keep her in a backpack. And she was not out of the fight. Like her chin was on your shoulder as you're running through the woods. Like she is just like, it was almost as if she could talk, like look out for that branch. And uh, she would, uh, when the, when the pit bull would latch up with the, with the pig, she would explode out of that backpack. And sometimes she exploded a little prematurely. So we had to wire it shut. We had to wire the zippers together so she couldn't explode out. And, And I'll never forget one time we turned her loose on a, on a pig. And she grabbed right onto that pig's family jewels, and that pig started spinning like a bull out of the chute. And both of her back legs were off the ground, and her ears were back, and she was just spinning with him. She was not gonna let go. Oh my goodness! But like That's they say, incredible. you never you never see an old Patterdale because they have no reverse button, and they get killed. And she she died in the line of duty, but holy shit, she was bad to the bone. Oh man! Hey, when you live hard, you know you die hard too. Yeah, yeah. You know, hey, if, if you have a reputation for never growing old, that means you're doing something crazy. So, well, speaking of the hog hunting that uh, that you were doing previous, um, you've kind of fallen into a rut. Uh, if you follow Ward Danger, he uh, he's fallen into this point where, and he you know explained just a, a little bit that you've been missing some hogs high and. You couldn't figure out what was going on. You didn't. You couldn't. Ex- I mean, you expected it to be the weapon and not yourself. But what was going on? Why? Why? Why the rut? Well, I'll tell you what's going on. Uh, let's see. I am on my fourth. I've missed my fourth pig now. Uh, three with the same gun. So I've got a piece of steel out at 650 yards, and I lay down like from this spot on this high spot on this tank. You can lay down. It's exactly 650, and it's on this barren like clear cut where there's no food, it's just gravel. And we always joke that maybe one day there will be a pig out there because we can hit an eight inch piece of steel at 650, no problem. And um, <laughs> two days ago, there was a damn pig standing about 60 yards under the steel. And I was like, oh my God, this is close enough to a dream come true. <laughs> and uh, laid out and I guess I misranged him because I shot right over his back. And so that, that was brutal. That was a dream come true gone, but uh, that was with one rifle. Then I have this other rifle that, given the circumstances, uh, went right when this COVID-19 stuff got fresh, um, I was a little, I wasn't paranoid, but I was just kind of like, you know what, we better make sure the right tools are with the right equipment. And I have a uh, really nice EOTech that I keep on my pig gun. And um, I said, you know, I'm going to have to put this EOTech on my carbine because if something goes crazy, I'd rather have this optic. You know, it's a little paranoid, but it is what it is. And uh, I want to keep my family safe. And so I swapped optics out and um, I put a real good optic on, on my normal pig gun and I sighted it in. And I, the only thing I can come up with, because this optic is a good optic, it's not going to lose zero. It's an aim point. And, um, I just don't think maybe I just didn't sight it in right. And three pigs later, including one of them right in my fa- in front of my father-in-law, which was I mean the worst. 
uh, I was like, something's not right. Something is absolutely not right. So I went and put a giant rock at a hundred. And uh, I mean, there, I didn't put it there. It's, it's, it's there. It's a giant rock at a hundred and I shot at it and I eight inches high. So yeah, I've been just shooting over every pig's back. And the worst part about it is that those pigs, you know, the reason why we carry ARs is because they run in big groups, big sounders, if you will. So if you can get fast on that trigger, you can get five or six dead pigs real quick. Um, and I had this giant group of pigs right in front of me. And uh, they even let me get out of the truck to get a good steady rest. Because I, I was like, okay, don't miss because I've been missing a lot. And I said, like, okay, just take your time. And I was so steady, so calm, pulled the trigger. It went right over his back. I was just like, you got to be kidding me. And um, and then, of course, insult to injury, one of my, my guns jammed. And, I mean, that hasn't happened in forever. So instead of just taking a follow-up shot because there was like 50 pigs, my gun was jammed. So it was literally the worst day. It was two road hunter fantasies I've had for a long time about killing pigs on that ranch. And both of them happened within 24 hours, and both of them were completely debunked or destroyed by – Oh, man. By my crappy, my crappy prep work, I guess. Murphy, Murphy's law always finds its way. Like it's going to be the perfect setup, but the thing that you didn't think of is what's going to ruin it all. So I, I know we've Grace, all been here. there as as hunters, as sportsmen, and as, as shooters. That yeah, you think you've got everything covered, but man, it's always that just something that you didn't think of. So bummer. Sorry yeah, to hear I that. Think it's beca- yeah, I think it's because I. I switched my optics out for end of the world preparation that never really happened. Thank God. But <laughs> yeah, I was talking to a, another friend of mine and uh, he said the same kind of the same thing where it was like, I'd rather look stupid being prepared than feeling stupid when I'm not prepared, at least on, on that end. So oh, exactly. no, I get, so- totally hear you so- on the switching out the optics. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't cause I have, not to give away all my secrets, let's just say I have a night vision compatible, that, that EOTech is night vision compatible. So I was like, well, you know, you never know when you come across some night vision. <laughs> Make sure you have the right optic. So, yeah, that was the reason for the switch. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, hey, now that it's all happened, and that's one of the things, I mean, we've we've all fallen into the rut as uh, not the, the good rut when everything's going crazy with the animals, but the rut that we've fallen into. I know I've done that. Even um, we're in shotgun country where we don't use rifles, but we use slug guns. And I got to the point even this year where sighting stuff in, I just did not feel right. And I had two opportunities during shotgun season to go out and I didn't even take it. I was like, I'm not confident in it. I don't feel great with it. I'm going to bring the bow out again. And you know, if I get a deer that walks at 60, well, tough luck. Can't do much about it. But at least mm-hmm. I get to see the deer. But at the same time, I was I wasn't willing to go out and miss. If I miss completely high, hey, I feel great about that. But if I hit back in the gut, you know, I just a I now I have this track job, and then b I'm going to feel bad because I just wounded this animal for uh, for no reason. So I know we've all been there, and it's one of those things where if you know what you're doing, like like you yourself, you you got the optic to set the right way, and things weren't feeling right, you were able to go back and and check zero. Um, and see that it was off but yeah confidence is a huge thing when it comes to especially long ranges like that yep yep and then gosh come to think of it there might have been another pig i missed but holy yeah it's uh 
it's been a rough road and not to mention like i i th- i always feel that every time you see a pig and you don't at least like throw a rock at it you know or at least like call it a bad name you got to do something to stop this these these monsters and uh there's not a worse feeling in the world than seeing pigs and not having a gun and i always feel that every time that happens god takes the wings away from an angel and doesn't give them back till you till you redeem yourself <laughs> so when i miss it's just like leave that angel alone god i promise i'll be back in my game i'll be back let him fly slower let, yeah, let him fly let him fly we need him we need him we need him Oh, so between tricky hogs and now you got turkeys too. Now you did put down a bird uh, early this season. Was it opening day that you put down a bird? I put down a bird. Yes, the um, not opening day, but the second day. Opening day was uh, it was raining really hard. So second day, I mean, it was just like releasing the hounds. I was, I mean, just let me out of my cage. I was something had to die, and uh, yeah, I, I smoked one the next day at the first clear sky i smoked them within like 20 minutes yeah i mean most of the times now i mean with, with that experience you're like huh this turkey season's gonna be super easy i'm just gonna pack oh, yeah, every no, bird yeah. i see i am the best turkey hunter i know like according <laughs> to those seven minutes yeah yeah oh trust me i i'm really i feel so stupid i've just had nothing but just butt whoopings ever since and i'm like oh that's right this is turkey hunting i forgot <laughs> but yeah even like you get some of these shots with with birds that yeah it seems like man these things are really dumb but on the flip side of that they've also been known to just be the most crafty critters and absolutely drive people nuts because you had then an experience with a second bird that you were going that you were having trouble with am i right <laughs> to be honest i think it's the same bird that uh yeah, I think this bird is now fooled me. The first time it didn't really didn't really fool me. I fooled myself, but I, I think this bird has evaded me now twice. I'm I'm ninety nine point nine percent sure it's the same bird, and and my hats off to him. He got lucky the first time. Yes, it was. Uh, but I had a humbling experience after my total badass SEAL Team Six turkey hunt of second day. Uh, yeah, I'm back to normal. My my confidence is ruined. <laughs> Yeah, I we we're here at the at a poultry farm. We're here at the turkey farm, and the domestic brethren they have similar traits. Where, where one day they're just yeah dumber in a box of rocks, but then like the next like these things they when they get big and these big toms get ornery, and even though you're trying to load the truck, these things are coming up behind you, and it's like they. They work together. One hits you in the back of the legs, and then one will jump in front of you to try and knock you <laughs> over. And it's like if you go down, they are they're gonna go yeah, to town. To now their spurs have. I mean, at at birth, their spurs were burned off with a laser, um, so they don't have any spurs, and you know the, the hook on their beak is gone. But man, you get a forty pound turkey with its wing. It's and it just loves to beat the heck out of you. They. They know what's going on. They definitely are modern-day dinosaurs. They really do want to take you out. And then you find these the wild ones, but now they've got an edge on them. You know, I couldn't I couldn't imagine going toe to toe with a, with a wild bird, but yeah, it's a it's funny how like you said, you can just jump out and do SEAL Team 6, smoke that bird out of nowhere and think, "Man, these things just 
they're 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 not thinking straight but at the same yeah. time like how they can evade pressure cuz you were just before we were getting on you've got a friend that just sent you a text of a bird in like like a suburban area i mean there is there is not woods anywhere like i don't know like some small towns back up the woods this this is fort worth it's the fifth largest city in texas there are no woods no I mean, woods, and here's this bird hanging out in somebody's yep. backyard. And there's a hen in his backyard. I mean, that is nuts. Now, I've heard of this happening before, so I'm not totally surprised. But because there's another guy I know, uh, he sent me a picture like two years ago, and I completely forgot about it until just now. But I think there is a gaggle that lives in urban Fort Worth that just kind of hangs out. I mean, between bird feeders and yeah. oh, people's yeah. like small orchards in their yards or whatever mass yeah. fruit that they have, they're sitting pretty. Yeah, and we got a, a river system, a big, beautiful river that runs through Fort Worth, and uh, so it's not uncommon to get a beaver or a nutria or something like in your yard. Uh, there's, I just saw ducks going down the road, and they're just waddling along. They're about a half mile from the river, so I guess I don't know. I miss they're laying eggs or something, but. Um, yeah, so we got all kinds of critters from the river. It, it's it's pretty neat. We have uh, the ring doorbells pick up. Ever since the ring doorbell thing, oh, my gosh, we've been picking up all kinds of uh, critters. And, um, in fact, yesterday morning, my poor wife uh, was standing out in the yard letting the new puppy take a leak at, like, 530 in the morning. And she just said, oh, my God, I watched $5,000 stare each other at the uh, $5, a $5,000 stare. And I was like, what are you talking about? And she goes, there was this raccoon just showed up out of nowhere and started staring at the puppy and the puppy was staring back at it. And I thought to myself, if they tangle up, this is going to cost us $5,000. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> or 22 cents, but yeah. Yeah, uh, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, I could, that's a joke. I couldn't do <laughs> Maybe it's 6,000. I don't know. <laughs> um, but yeah, my wife didn't laugh at that joke either, but um, the uh, yeah. So, I mean, that's, that, we got a bunch of wildlife here. It's pretty cool. That's awesome. And yeah, I think probably springtime down there when stuff's coming alive again, uh, coming out of dormancy. Yeah. Everything's in the, in that flurry of, of reproduction of, of trying to like make nests and get eggs down. And yeah, it's a, it's a crazy time and it's amazing how, yeah, we, we try to make sense of it all. And it, it seems to always surprise us left and right. Do you, uh, you want me to tell you a super embarrassing story about how I got my butt handed to me by a turkey? Yes, I would enjoy that. Okay. Full disclosure. Uh, are you familiar with a gentleman on Instagram? He's a really talented photographer. He's got uh, some just awesome kills. His name is John Mulligan, a.k.a. Johnny Utah Hunt on Instagram. Yeah, I know Johnny Utah. Yeah. So Johnny uh, makes these awesome turkey calls called bourbon barrel calls. And uh, he sent me – he asked me in an email, I was like, hey man, send me a musket powder logo. And I sent him a musket powder logo. And then a couple of weeks later, this custom laser engraved uh, turkey call shows up in the mail. And it was from Bourbon Barrel Calls. I was like, oh my God, man, thank you. So he gave me this cool uh, musket powder turkey call. I mean, it's incredible. And uh, it looks awesome. It's made out of an old uh, bourbon barrel. And it sounds great too. So I'm, I roost this bird. And I go back to bed, and I've got um, – I already got one bird down, so I'm just beating my chest. And I've got this one bird roosted, so I was going to do the whole roost and roast method. And um, got set up under a tree, got him gobbling. 
and he like he was on i was i was in the middle of a creek and i was trying to listen to what side of the creek he was on through his gobble and it kept changing kept changing and then i had three gobbles in a row on the left side of the creek so i'm like okay he's left so i climb out of this creek and i get in get in some uh some brush and i just barely poke my head out and i can see a turkey with you know long beard in the field I'm like all right there he is so, and calling at him he's gobbling back and uh he's getting farther and farther and farther away and i was like what in the heck is going on i can't see anything and um meanwhile this whole time my my call was in my back pocket and due to the excitement and everything i was wasn't paying attention and my fat butt sat right on top of it and just shattered the call. And it's at no no fault of the call. It's the 250 pounds of pressure um, <laughs> that's not made for that. And, uh, yeah, that, that call snapped. Oh, uh, the, no. just, just, the, just the face. Like, the call itself, the, the, you know, because it made a solid wood. So, I mean, it's, it's fine. But, like, just the, the, the slate or the glass, uh, the glass face just shattered. And um, so... I was using a box call, no big deal. Got, uh, I thought I had the bird coming in. And the bird was gone. Gobbles were farther and farther away. I'm like, he's gone. To hell with it. So I pull my phone out and I pull my call out to take a picture of it. And I was going to send it to Johnny and mess with him. Be like, look at this piece of junk he sold me. I struck, I struck <laughs> it three times and it shattered. I wasn't going to mention that I sat on it. And I was just going to mess with him. Just, just get him sweating. Which is such BS because his calls are, are incredible. So there's no way that this would have been, you know, totally a freak out for him. And uh, and then I put my phone down. And I hear like a little bit of noise. And I poke my head out, and that Tom Gobbler is hauling butt the other direction. I was like, "You gotta be kidding me! Oh my god!" He was god. right there. Oh, he god. was right there. So it gets worse. I get in the truck with my father-in-law, and we're out feeding cows and doing ranch stuff. And I thought to myself, you know, I wonder if that turkey made it to the picture of the call that I sent John. And I pull up the t text conversation between John and I, and I open up the picture of the broken call, and I zoomed in, and there's the Tom Gobbler standing right there. He totally photobombed you he while you were trying to... <laughs> and the worst part about it is that he was totally in range. Like, I could have just worked him right there. Now, I don't, it, I don't think it was him because he did shut up. So that was him. When he shut up, he was coming in. So he, he did walk away. And it sounded like he was farther away. And then I guess his girlfriend or whatever plan he had changed. He's like, all right, I'll go see what that other girl's up to. And it was coming in. And I thought he was gone. Or a second gobbler showed up. But we'll see. But again, I reached him again a week later and got him gobbling like crazy. And he came right at about 150 yards and just went, nope, and walked. Like, just absolutely not. No way in hell. Not going to fall for that again. So I think <laughs> it's the same bird. Man. Yeah, you get a Tom in there, and it's like, yeah, fool me once, shame on me, yep. fool me twice. He even, as he walked away, he even turned his nose up. He's just like, huh, like, like I'd fall for that again, fat boy. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Ward, I love it. Down there in Texas, <laughs> man, you just you have total highs, and then when it's low, man, it is low. I feel oh, like we've kind of beaten you up on this first part of this episode. It's like, oh, no, fine. you're a totally accomplished person. And I think like no. <laughs> the, the your willingness to talk about this, A, is helping us, you know, get a good belly laugh. But at the same time, I think it's helping us know that, hey, even really good shots, even really good hunters have those times and it's okay. Oh, the, the comments I get from the typer snipers are, are just unreal. Like I get 
people who leave comments like, you know, you shouldn't be playing with your phone while you're turkey hunting. Like, I totally agree. But when you hear the bird gobble and then you hear it gobble a mile away, you're pretty safe. One would think, you know, and just things like that. It's not like I was checking the score. Like I was texting turkey hunting to a fellow turkey hunter while turkey hunting. So, I mean, I don't feel too bad. And then like all the missing stuff, like I've got this, every time I talk about like my failures, there's these like all these 20 people that chime in every time to like talk about how dumb I am for making that mistake. And I was like, cool, bro. It's no coincidence that it's you every time. I don't even know you. And I, like, I already know that you're going to comment because like, like, ugh. and it's not even like back in my day or you dumb kids. It's like guys, my age and younger who were, I guess, really good at call of duty or something. I have no idea. Like they're just Right, and it's usually the loud ones that, yeah. you know, oh, I've never missed one, but they've yeah. only been hunting for, like, a handful of times, and, you know, yeah. they, they've been put on stuff, so, you know, it's one of those things, like, and it, I I would probably admit it, there was a time where I was pretty cocky, too, where, you know, I had missed, but at the same time, I'm only at year one, year two, I tell you, when I missed, I uh, I ate a lot of crow, I ate a oh, lot yeah. of my own words, man, it did not feel good. <sighs> <laughs> I have had my foot shoved down my throat so far. I can't even explain it. <laughs> but I mean, I don't know. That's what I try to do. I just try, you know, talk about, you know, screwing up. I screw up all the time. And like, how are you going to get better? You know what I mean? Like, what about some guy who's like listening right now? It says, man, remember that time that turkey went really far away and that dude got, you know, was messing around. Maybe we shouldn't get up and leave. Let's just wait five more minutes. You know, I don't know. Exactly. Exactly. That's what I'm going to do. That's, you better believe that's what I'm going to do next time. I think the turkeys totally vanish and I can't see if I have a clear view of him gone then I'll say he's gone. But if like, I can't see him, then, you know, I'll wait five minutes. And I'll remember that time I was an idiot. It is. It, you, you learn from your losses and you remember losses more than you remember wins. You know, there's, I mean, heck there's even like match my wrestling matches in high school that I go through each night. Like, okay, no, I shouldn't have done that. Or, you know, it's like that one thing. I just keep thinking about that over again, and that applies directly into the outdoors. God, that's so Midwestern of you. <laughs> what weight class did you wrestle? Uh, I wrestled, I finished my senior year at 145. Okay. So I'm definitely up into the 215 range now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not as swift as what I was. 215.1 <laughs> is heavyweight, boy. <laughs> Oh no, there's that's 275. 215 is still that's where where the But uh, aren't you if you're over 215 you're then heavyweight. So isn't like 216 to 275 heavyweight? Uh well, you're right. Yeah, if you don't make that cut. So yeah, you'd yeah. be be up there. Yeah. Shoot. I'm going to take my Ooh. boots off real quick. <laughs> <laughs> we got a bucket to spit in there. Just want to take a time out and say thank you to the listeners for tuning in. It really does mean I would also appreciate that if you haven't already left a rating, a review, uh, to go ahead and do that. It all helps folks find us and get on board using and enjoying their wild game. Feel free to chat with us and ask questions either on Facebook, The Huntivore, or Instagram, at Huntivore. Got a recipe you think is dynamite and want to share? Or have some show topic ideas? Email us at huntivore at gmail.com. For even more hunting and fishing podcasts by real, relatable sportsmen, head over to Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network. 
which happens to be a 2% conservation company, who give 1% of their earnings and 1% of their time helping out the wildlife and wild places we all love. Now, back to the show. So we've talked about the mishaps. We've talked about, you know, these these awful times that are going to make some great memories. But now we're going to transition to something that is going to take a little bit more scientific approach, uh, a little bit more data driven as opposed to experience driven. Um, with our with your bird that you did get, you're doing some experimentation in the kitchen. Tell me about what's going on. I am. I am. I'm glad you asked. Um, so my wife has a good friend who is a private chef so what she does is families hire her to uh like hey we're having a dinner party tonight come cook and she does that a lot but she also does like she will go in there and cook a bunch of food for the family for the week um so yeah she'll do that too um so anyway she's all she's you know educated and everything she's a licensed chef and we were talking, we talk all the time, obviously, and her husband's a big hunter. He's a great guy. Um, <laughs> yeah, so we, we talk a lot. And um, uh, we we're talking about um, Chick-fil-A. Y'all have Chick-fil-A up there in Michigan? Yeah, we just got them, I would say, within the last three years. The year okay. that it, yeah, the year, because it was like, oh, like, yeah, the 2017 mark, when the first one opened, you didn't even go try to go get in because the line was always super long. No matter if it was lunch, dinner, breakfast, even you just, you couldn't get in at a decent time. So it, for the first year I didn't go, but I really wanted, wanted to, to get there. But yeah, now it's become a, a regular thing. So we do enjoy Good. them up here in Michigan now. I'm glad you have that. Well, uh, I've heard through some folks that they, marinate their chicken in pickle juice before uh frying it and i it makes sense because i was like is that why the chicken is so soft and my friend the chef is like yeah and she started getting all sciencey on me talking about the acids and the vinegar break down the tissue and it makes it incredibly soft and it gives it a great flavor i was like okay cool so i lit that bird up and um do you call the whole turkey breast a breast or you call like the left breast right breast like which which one are you? Uh, the way we, we do it is, well, it'd be a breast half. I talk about like you have your, your bone in breast and then okay. there would be then the half breast. doesn't matter okay. left or right, but then that's my terminology of it. I'll, uh, since it's your show, we'll go on, on your, on, on, on your, that terminology. On your... All right. Yeah. Yeah. So I took a half breast and I cut it into nuggets. Um, normally I do strips, but I did nuggets for, for, uh, for the sake of science. And, um, I did, uh, every out. So I did a bowl of uh, homemade and I had a, a big jar, excuse me, a big, uh, pantry full of jarred pickles. Um, and so I took one of the jars and emptied out all the vinegar, uh, you know, peppercorns, jalapenos, all the stuff that's in there with the pickles. And so it's basically homemade pickle juice and put it in a bowl. And in the second bowl, I put, uh, just commercial store-bought junk processed buffalo wing sauce and then the third bowl was empty uh, excuse me not empty uh it had turkey in it but no no marinade so okay. that was the absolute control and every hour on the hour i would pull it out pat it dry batter and fry it 
and try them. And every hour, the pickle juice one got better and better and better. And at four hours, I was running out of meat and I was getting really hungry. So, I mean, I ate them all and it was so good. I like am just on this kill all turkeys. I've got three more tags and I will fill all three. I'm going to try or die trying. And, um, I, I gotta, like, I, ha- I gotta have more. It was so good. Yeah. So what, well, now what was the result of your, the comparison, the junk so, buffalo uh, sauce? What, so what it, happened it there was, too? Obviously there's no surprise that there was something in there that was breaking it down. It was probably diesel fuel and Chinese <laughs> newspapers, but, um, it uh, it wasn't breaking down as fast as the pickle juice was. The pickle juice was just like, I mean, it was like a fluffy pillow chewing on it versus a little bit of grit and give with the uh, the other one. And the control was, was a little rough. I'm not going to lie. Like, you just can't compare it. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Straight up. Yeah. I mean, yeah. right off a of bird. Yeah. You got to have a couple yeah. days where, you know, even we process birds here and it's like, you know, people are like, should I, you know, should I cook this now? Is like the fresher better? It's like, well, I'd say three days before you really get after that thing. You know, it's because it is, it's going to be, you know, it it hits extreme heat and those muscle fibers just, I mean, it's a muscle and it just tenses up. You could bounce it. Um, Oh yeah. But man, just four hours in pickle juice. But after that, the experiment ends due and, to yeah, lack yeah, of, was, <laughs> yep. lack lack of, of test meat. material. <laughs> yeah, and I was hungry. I was just like, okay, I can't take this anymore. And I'm trying to stop uh, not to get too lame. You know what? No one cares. I'm just I'm not eating after 7 anymore, and uh, so I'm just trying to keep that alive. So uh, it was getting – it was a little bit after 7. I was like, I'm wrapping this up. But it was uh, – man, it was something else. I'm interested to try the 5, 6, and 7 hour. Now, I did do – duck breasts overnight in uh the same like homemade pickle juice and then did chicken fried duck like pounded it out Ooh. and battered and fried it and i liked it because i like vinegar stuff um i understand my wife said it's good it's just way too vinegary and she wasn't wrong it was way too vinegary i liked it but i wouldn't serve it that way for other people um so I think we need to hold off on that. I'm going to try the four hour rule with that. So yeah, we've been pounding. We've got, we killed a lot of ducks this year and um, we've got just a, a crazy amount of duck meat. Um, and so, yeah, we, we pounded some out and did the same thing. And it was uh, just, it was just too vinegary. So I'm going to try four hours next time. And I think it'll be abs- I think four hours might be the sweet spot of just incredible flavor. And, and so it's flavor and breakdown. Yeah. Did you know, were you getting the, like the hints of dill and peppercorn and, and yes. stuff in there as well. Yes. Now that was, now the best fried duck I've ever had was in Arkansas, of course. And the lady told me that she uses um, just that junk uh, Lowry's lemon pepper herb um, marinade. And she marinates it for like, you know, four to six hours. And I asked my chef friend about that. And she said, Oh, for sure. All citrus uh, breaks down tissues, which is why flank steak, you know, that tough, piece of meat is always complemented with lime and marinated with lime and lemon because the citric acid breaks down the tissues and, and the fibers and makes it easier to chew. So it makes perfect sense that this good old girl from nowhere, Arkansas, who's a cook at a duck camp knows a thing or two about cooking some duck now. 
and uh it, it makes perfect sense that that she did that she does that that's awesome that's yeah awesome. so so let's get crazy and let's do 50 50 of the lemon pepper uh sauce and pickle juice because i have heard and i want to say it was probably me searching around on netflix there's been some wicked actually i think it was the was the Taco Chronicles that you told me to yes, watch? Yes, Barbacoa. Yes. yes. Okay, so I've eaten up that whole show, and I That's love. I want to. It was either that show or it was one that fell to the bottom where I I wasn't done. I had to find something else, and they did a whole thing on Turkey in Mexico. And I know yep. I know you love Mexican food. And I love Mexican food. That's what they were saying is a traditional pairing was citrus with these bigger birds, these turkeys. And that has been something that I have totally jumped on with. When I'm when I'm doing turkey, um, I mean, yeah, having the farm, but whenever I'm trying to do turkey or something, I'm trying to find a way to throw either lemon or lime or orange into what I'm cooking just because mm-hmm. that's, I mean, that's what the, the woman down in Mexico does. I got to do it oh, yeah. too. No, for sure. And did you see the the big barbacoa pits where it looks like a, an old well from like Little House on the Prairie? But dudes are pulling out like 60, 70 pounds of meat. From yeah, there's like it. this wire cage that they're just they yep. layer up with or they layer the meat leaves. and then leaves. Yeah. Oh. So I have um, we've got a river that runs right by the, uh, the, the, the property where we run cows. And uh, I have been picking out perfect river rocks and setting them aside. And being uh, that finances aren't awesome right now due to everything, and you know we're saving every penny we can. Thank God I'm still working, but still I don't know if I'll be working tomorrow. Um, so I'm not gonna do it, but uh, I want to rent a backhoe and dig a hole and then frame it out and then pour rocks and then pour concrete over it. But then I thought to myself, you know, I've been on this ranch for five years now and there've been like three or four times where we've needed a backhoe and we've rented it for ranch purposes. I'm just going to hold out and wait for the, the company to rent a backhoe and then borrow it for 15 minutes before I spend like a thousand dollars to dig a hole. There so, you go. It's the, the engine's already on. Hey, just do one yep. more scoop, couple more scoops yep. right here. Exactly. And I, I've got it. I've got the rocks. I know exactly where I'm digging it. I've got the rocks set aside. Uh, I talked to a couple of the guys I work with who are fr- from Mexico and know all about it. And they're just like, here's what you need to do. And I've discussed the plan I'm doing. I've discussed everything I'm doing. And they've even made a couple calls back to the old country to make sure I'm doing it right. I mean, it is, it's going to be flawless when I'm done. Oh, that's going to be epic. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to document that. We're, I'm so, see oh it. yeah, for sure. Oh, we're doing a time-lapse. And what's so funny even my wife's like, you know, you have a sous vide, right? And I was like, just just pipe the down, lady. Like, it's not the same. <laughs> like, we've got crockpots and stuff. Like, this is ancient technology, but that's what makes it so fun. Exactly. You get, the, you get the rocks so hot that you can't even, like, look at them without getting burnt. And then you put the meat in there and let it steam. Like, oh, my God, it's just too cool. It's men being men. You know, it doesn't matter what part of the globe you're from. It's a bunch of dudes hanging out, making awesome food exactly guys hanging out there's going to be a little bit of dirt and grit in there from the whole experience yep. somebody will have burned themselves pretty badly and i think that Someone's all feelings are going to get hurt into, somewhere yeah yeah yep. it adds into the experience i mean how cool is that going to be like if i have kids it's like all right we're going out to the barbacoa pit boys like we're going to start this giant fire we're going to stay up late we're going to let it burn down i mean like you know how many memories that's going to be it's going to be awesome 
I want to do a micro version of that. I've got I've got just nothing but time on my Dude, hands. You should do it. You know how much of a workout it is? That I, I dug a small barbacoa pit last year and like I pretty much lost thirteen pounds. So I mean like I can't even imagine. I mean, nice. it is a workout. We're on like I was we were talking earlier. We're on like our third spring here in uh in Michigan. Like it gets hot and then all of a sudden boom, two inches of snow and then we're back yeah. up to seventy. No wonder. I mean, it's not COVID, just everybody's got a cold or something, a head yep. cold from all this freaking weather. But yeah, I think we're gonna go out there with the boys and just dig a hole, dig a massive hole and yeah. You know, either throw in a whole bird or even, yeah, I've got some venison that it's like, man, they just Did need you... something that's low and slow and to now, throw it in the ground. Is, is it Grand Rapids that's the closest big city to you? Yes. Did you ever find a Hispanic store with, like, uh, cheeks and tongues and all that stuff? I I do have a Hispanic store off of 44th Street, but I haven't gone in for the meat department. I bet you... They will have it there. No, that's where I, when I first made um, Chili Verde, I had to oh, find dude. some place to get tomatillos. Yeah, um, I'm making that this week, man. Oh yeah, that's a. I I threw it in my first entry. We did a, we do a chili cook off here at the the turkey farm in October, and I that. made it the first year. And the fact that I'm in Midwest Michigan made me lose. Because they looked at it and they're like, that's green. I'm going to go find something with cream and cheese in it. And then that's yep. what ended up winning. And ranch dressing. Exactly. But I then followed up the next year with, I went with a red chili then. And I did a little bit better. And then I said, you know what? I'm bringing back the green again. Um, and I went back to my store, got my tomatillos. And they had... Oh, uh, what they call them? Piposas? Pit- but anyway, it's the, it's the... The meat stuffed with the tortillas? No, it's the um, pumpkin seeds. Oh, semillas. There we go. I am not very good at Spanish at all. Well, that, that word means seed, so I mean... Okay. It's just what... Yeah, semillas. We, we always call... Yeah. And here's the thing, though. It's like, you know, some gentleman in Mexico City could go to the Harvard of Mexico City and get a PhD in English and then drop his butt off in Thibodeau, Louisiana and he's going to be like, what? <laughs> so, I mean, like, the point I'm making is that there's a different word. You know, you go 50 miles, you go in Mexico and Sonora on the border and then you go 50 miles south and you, it's like a, two different languages. Gotcha. Yeah. But yeah, I added the seeds as a thickener, the pumpkin seeds. And oh my goodness, like I, I put them in a pan and just roasted them over that. And you could just see the oil start to work out of those seeds, blitzed them in the, the coffee grinder and threw those in. And it turned it almost into a, like it really reminisced chili at that point. It wasn't thin. Um, it wasn't like soupy. It really just thickened up. And I want to say seeds. that even, even though uh, like I had the tomatillos, I had really good smoked turkey in there. I want to say it was that little Samia that won it for me because the the richness that came off that was just awesome. And was it the seed inside the white casing of the pumpkin uh, seed, or you know what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, they were shelled. So okay. somebody or some machine had painstakingly opened up each one, and then yeah. there was just it was just a green little seed and ground up. 
what I did. Well, they were just whole, they weren't even ground. They were just the whole seat at that point. But okay. yeah, I added some heat to them. Um, basically just roast them in a pan real quick and then ground those up. And it, it acted as much as like what a cornstarch would is that I poured that in there and I could just feel the resistance as I was stirring. I think those starches in there just really kind of swelled up with that juice and really just made it into something that's going to hold, uh, hold in the spoon, you know, really add some thickness to it. That is nuts. I never even thought about that. I tell you, it blew my mind and won it for me that year. So, now I got to follow up with something new. All right, I like this. Very good, very good. Well, man, I feel like I've been talking a lot on my own show. I want to turn it back to you. I really had I put a post-it note um, on my computer for when I next talk to you that I wanted to know um, about this duck breast biltong that you made quite a while ago. Am I right? Is that it's been like six months since you made that? No, so I've been on a biltong kick. Uh, I made the, I started making it about six months ago. Um, and then, uh, I made the duck breast stuff right again, trying not to sound paranoid right when the COVID stuff started getting like murmured. And I was like, well, all these people are staying in line or, you know, all these people are going to be buying all this and buying all that, but I'm just going to go buy vinegar and salt and I'm going to survive. And, uh, sure enough, I did. I bought ton of uh kosher salt and a couple gallons of vinegar and, and that was my doomsday prep right there i'm gonna i'm gonna live you know and, and you know, enjoy your spoiled food in your freezer pal hey there. and um <laughs> yeah so uh i did a trial run just to make sure i know what i was doing but yeah we like i said earlier we just massacred ducks this year and um i've got so much duck in the freezer that uh, people are getting mad at me at work because i filled up the freezer at work too and um, like, well, it was a pretty good time. Do you to do take it. inventory, or are you just that trusting of people at work? Uh, that's a good question. The people I work with wouldn't know what to do with it, so that 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 that's the inventory right that's there. That's your insurance right there. Yeah, yeah. I they tell you, if wouldn't. I worked with you, you'd open that up, and there would be like <sighs> Dumb and Dumber, where there's all these IOUs just yeah, yeah. <laughs> sitting. That's in there. just as good as cash, sir. <laughs> <laughs> There's one like every this is Texas. Everyone hunts, um, but like no one, you know, they're not psychotic about it. Uh, there's a there is one psycho hunter in my uh, office, and he is he's so cool that all he has to do is just ask, "Hey, can I get a bag of breasts?" I'd say no problem, because uh, he would come back and be like, "Oh, I, he he's our top sales rep and he makes a ton of money. He goes everywhere." And he'd be that guy like, "Hey, thanks for that duck breast. Here's a here's a whole moose shoulder." And you're like, "Oh." spare trade yeah so so he's that cool and that nice so i I wouldn't i'd have no problem sharing with him um but yeah i keep it i've got a we've got two deep freezes at work and i filled up one of them along with my freezer at home so i mean we we did some work on on the birds this year um and uh so what i did was i was like you know i can cure i've been curing beef lately and i'm curing venison lately let's let's cure this duck meat just to make sure and um I did a whole video on it. It's a little long. I apologize, but I did a whole video on it and it's on my Instagram page um, at Ward Danger, as you mentioned before. But I mean, I took some time on this, uh, roasted all the coriander seeds. I ground them up in a coffee grinder, um, you know, 
mar- you got to marinate it in Worcestershire and vinegar for a couple hours. Then you bury it in some uh, kosher salt for a couple hours, let it suck out all the juice. And then I have a, uh, I bought a wine fridge off of Craigslist to turn it into a prosciutto chamber only to find out that it didn't work. So I got just absolutely gypped. So I bought, and the, the prosciutto was hanging in my garage and it was only getting hotter by the minute in Texas. So I had to come up with a plan B really quick. So I found another fridge on Craigslist, like four towns away, went and bought it, uh, rewired that to be a prosciutto fridge. And then I had this other one. I was like, well, I need to do something with this. So I turned it into a uh, biltong chamber or a dehydrator. And so I put a, uh, I can't think of the exact wattage, but I put a super hot light bulb in there. Um, I put a fan in there and then I put a dehumidifier in there and then drilled a hole in the side of it, ran the wires all out of it, uh, coupled them together, put it in a power surge. And I, uh, you hang the meat in there. And now jerky is real thin and pounded out and delicious and American and, you know, amazing. But and if this gets me put on a government watch list, they'll understand. <laughs> Those South Africans make a mean cured meat. And oof, I'm not going to say it's better than beef jerky because that is unconstitutional. But I'm saying it's really close. And um, if you do it right, it is a soft, wet, I don't like the M word, beef jerky. And it's thick. So it's like taking like a, a steak. It's like taking a one-inch New York strip, curing it, and you just hang it. And it's like nerve-wracking. Like, it's going to rot. It's going to spoil. It's going to something. But no, it cures. And then you cut right into the center of it, and you cut it into little strips. And it's it's just – it'll blow your mind. It's so good. Oh, yeah. Because I've, I've been on a kick for wanting to know more about Biltong. I've got – a couple things saved as to well, a one of them is like what you what I want to go back to is talk to you about this redneck prosciutto fridge that you got going on. I think that's <laughs> genius. Um, but I found a jerky from a butcher shop local where we're at that is very reminiscent of a biltong. It really is like a piece of steak. It's not thin. I mean, sucker stands probably an inch tall, yep. and they go through a whole process. And I I have yet to really like go inside and really annoy them with how they do that. I've, I've definitely sat there enough and watched them do it. Like I'm the creepy guy. Well, it's their own fault because they also have taps that are there. So I'll go through like three beers and just watch them. You've go got through to be kidding process. me. It is the best place to go. They've got, Oh my gosh. It's a meat counter and they make sausages and they, and they do all that. And they've got like a whole bunch of taps and it's all craft stuff. That's one thing we are, I think proud of here in the Midwest is we're, yeah. we're craft country. Oh, yeah. Yep. And time. so I just find a heavy dark beer and I just sit there and just watch them work with meat. And if that's creepy, I'm okay with it. Yeah. But at the same time, like they do, it's just very labor intensive. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of like, they go to the back to do it. And so it's always like, darn it. I can't see. Yeah. <laughs> um, so here's the thing about Biltong. It is, I don't, know how to explain how easy it is to make like, i'm glad that we're my, on the easy side my first exposure to it was indirectly when i was uh, a teenager and i was living in arizona and i was on the apache reservation uh i hung out with these apaches i still talk to them they're great people um and they would take like we went 
I can't remember what we killed or they killed. It was tribal land. They killed something. It was a, it was a coos and they uh, put the flank steak on some barbed wire with some salt and some limes and just hung it on the barbed wire. And that was it. Wow. And it, and it was in the, it was in the, it was in the direction of the prevailing wind. And uh, it was in the shade. That was it. And in like three days, they were cutting into it. I was like, you're insane. And of course, I had to try it. It was, that was it. That was Biltong. Except Biltong, South Africa, and that was Apache. But it's the same thing. Like, you look at old pictures of uh, uh, Native Americans. Like, they're hanging meat on those, like, what looks like our, you know, your wife's drying rack in the laundry room. Uh, or the bedroom. In, in, in our case, because we don't have a laundry room. Um uh, it's like those racks and they're just hanging meat from it you know, with a fire right next to it. And it's, it's the exact same thing as how everyone cured meat back then. Man, we've just so, overcomplicated the whole thing. You know, of having... just beyond, beyond. Yeah. I mean, the fact that I have a fridge is overcomplicated. You go on YouTube, people, there's a, a lady who makes it in her apartment in a shoebox. Like she is just this, you know, as they say in South Africa, a boor Macy, which means a country girl. But she was a country girl who moved to the big city and she wanted some biltong. And so she made it uh, with a shoebox and like a piece of wire. Like just, you just need something to keep the bugs off the shoebox. You need a little bit of airflow. So she cut a hole in it and put it next to a fan. That's all it is. That's, that's all awesome. it is. So I've got, um, let's see, I've got, so I put the old wine rack on the top. I hung the light bulb from there. I put a fan at the bottom, a dehumidifier at the bottom, and you just hang the meat. And that fan keeps the air going. The heat, the, the excuse me, the um, uh, light bulb acts like the sun. And then obviously it's shady because it's inside. And then the dehumidifier sucks all the water out to prevent mold. Oh my goodness! So the actual like fridge itself isn't plugged into anything. Nope, it's not, just no, merely, it's just yeah, just a, a a chamber, like you said, yep, to keep you, the bugs off. Yep, you could make it in a closet. Again. I'm going to be digging a pit in my backyard. I'm yep. going to be making a box that I'm going to make biltong out of. Like, again, I've got yep. time right now. This is the it's tough so part cheap about, too. I mean, yeah, so cheap. It's a fun, cheap, fun, cheap hobby, man. I hope my wife didn't have anything for me to do. Cause I'm definitely not doing that. Trust me, dude. My wife loves to, uh, kind of wonder what I'm getting sidetracked on. And now she's getting a little ornery that I haven't been making. She likes beef biltong. I'm not gonna lie, the duck is a little gamey, but like I, I like it because I, I don't know, I just like it. But I, I get why someone wouldn't like it that wasn't you know force fed duck. Um, but the beef and the venison is a little gamey too. But the beef is is the beef is so unreal. Like if you don't like it, there's something wrong with you. Now you and I would like the the venison, the duck, like I said, but like just the random person off the street would probably be like mm, a little gamey. I like the beef better. Yeah, the. Spinoff idea that I was thinking when I was going to ask this question, um, you're you're eating rind and everything. There's not like a you're not taking off the outside of it to then eat just the middle. You're eating the whole thing. Correct? The whole thing. So like on venison, I take out the silver skin. Um, the duck meat. Now that I think about it, because we're cleaning so many ducks, we can't pluck them. Like the ducks will rot. Uh, we plucked a few. The ducks that I've been doing biltong with have been skin off. I don't see how skin would be a problem. You might want to look into that on your own. Gotcha. I um, was thinking more of like after the the drying process because I did see oh, on no, the yeah. video you just cut right into it. You you cut right into it, you eat the rind and everything. You're not having to take everything. that off. Nope. 
nope, everything. The and thing. the best part about the uh, the beef is is the fat. Like a lot of people when they make beef jerky, they cut off the fat on biltong. They're like, you keep that fat <laughs> because Americans we eat beef jerky like we keep it in a pantry. Like we'll buy a bag of beef jerky and like keep it in a pantry. In South Africa, it's gone in like two or three days. So they do it with the fat on. Yeah, that's when it's um, that good. It doesn't last. Yeah, it doesn't. It's, I mean, it's like if you put we put it in brown paper sacks, and we when we make it with beef, and like it looks like you have a bag of French fries. Oh it's, man, it's so good, dude. and it's so cool. Like you know, I know I've mentioned on the show last time that I've got you know friends and family in South Africa, so I'm fortunate I get to go over there and like live like a local. You know, I don't have to pay tourist prices. Um, man, what the first thing you do is you go into like a local butcher, which is on every corner. And uh, it's like a circle K and um, you just, there's just meat hanging. They have a whole biltong chamber like you walk into and it's just, there's just meat forever and you just get whatever you want. It is incredible. So that's a a world I I said, it's a world that I one day want to live in. And so here I am. Awesome. He's making duck biltong and now there's going to be venison and beef. He's got the whole thing down. I posted that on Instagram right at the beginning of COVID to try and encourage people to like, Hey, just because you're, you know, you have a bug out bag, which you're going to bug out in Los Angeles, which is a terrible idea. Um, you know, you might want to learn how to feed yourself. So I did that to let people know like, Hey, this is, this caveman technology can still be done like in your house. Man, look at you helping the masses. Good work. Thank you. Thank you. In addition to not only helping the masses, but you are gifting the masses with the musket powder that we've already known about. And I mean, that's what brought us together is, um, I got my hands on some of that musket powder, and I I do have to, um, what do I have to say? I don't. Know. I I gotta tell you this that I have now actually bought some musket powder for the first time. I was gifted one from you, and then I turned around and I won some musket powder on another <laughs> <laughs> another podcast. <laughs> So at that point, I was totally indebted to Ward Danger. I had never bought any of his product, but I had gone through two vials of it, and I was like, "Okay, the next, the, you know, the next ones, I am definitely gonna have to buy." Because here I am taking money, I'm taking food out of his mouth right now. Oh, well, that wouldn't hurt me. I'm a little overweight, but man, I wish you would have said something. I would have like hooked you up or something. God, man. No, no, I was um, like, I am gonna pay for this one. Well, I'll tell you what, it, that was actually really funny because it's been really great you know talking to you and, and messing with you and getting to know you and i'll never forget uh, the boys from the where to hunt podcast sent me a text message like hey the winner of the giveaways is nick Otto, and like all this uh his address and all this stuff and i sent back uh text messages i love those guys they're such good guys i sent back a text message like dot 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 yeah i know him <laughs> <laughs> Because, yeah, they were like, yeah, we got some prizes and stuff. You could, you know, just submit a recipe and we'll see if we'll like it. And I'm like, all right, sweet. And I had just yeah. done a write-up on <laughs> on that. And they were like, dude, we loved it. It's on the podcast. We're going to send you some musket powder. I was like, oh, dang, sweet. Now I'll have two of them. And, no, we've gone through a lot of that. My my boys really enjoy uh, the musket powder. Um, as much as I like spice, even for a Midwesterner, um, I, I am, I'm getting better. Uh, with the capsaicin, I'm I'm experimenting with habanero. I'm uh, getting to the point where I can really 
really enjoy it. But at the same time, like having the musket powder regular, it just it blankets everybody's taste buds. You get a little bit of the heat, you get that bitter from the coffee, and then you get that sweet from that uh, brown sugar that's in there. It's just a, I mean, you can't go wrong using regular musket powder. Matt, I really appreciate that. And that, uh, the, the results are coming in every day of just the, the customer emails are just the greatest thing. Uh, I love customer emails. And, um, it's funny. I get a lot of customer emails that are, that are a little questionable. Like people are like, I paid for three day shipping and it showed up on the third day at, at 5 PM. I demand a refund. I was like, okay, dude, like, <laughs> come on. <laughs> um, so those customer emails are a little lame, but like I get the nicest emails from the nicest people, uh, that just say basically what you just said, man, it just makes my day. I never get tired of hearing it. I love it. It makes me smile. Um, I'm like losing a dog, which I think I just did. Anyways. Um, there she is. The, uh, Thank you, man. So we, uh, a lot's happened since we've talked. Um, man, we've been, we say we, I'm sounding schizophrenic. I'm doing it by myself, but my wife helps me here and there. Uh, we've been, we've been crazy busy, like insane busy. Uh, and a lot of it is to do with the, uh, unfortunately, a lot of it has to do with COVID. We've definitely had uh, an increase in sales because people are bored and they're cooking. And so they're trying things out and we're getting a lot of sales and then we're busy because of that. And then we're also busy because we released our second flavor, which is uh, musket powder hot, which is our blanket, uh, blanket flavor with uh, some spice to it. And as you said earlier, I think you said a Cajun at heart or something like that. I learned living on those drilling rigs at those Cajuns from South Louisiana, man, there's not a lot to do and there's not a lot to talk about. So there's one thing everyone can bond over no matter what you think. And that's food. And uh, we cooked a lot of food and I said, man, you know, I got to incorporate something for my Cajun brethren in the oil field. And um, so we came up with the musket powder Cajun seasoning, which is musket powder red label. And it has, it is, it is a, like a lot of people are, are really nuts about it. Like I get, I get an email once a day from a customer saying that, hey, man, I love the black, but I hate to say it, I like the red more. So, I mean, that's fine. <laughs> that's a great problem to have. Hey, there um, you go. When you got one that's good and then you go to better, it's like, oh, man. Yeah. yeah, and, you know, there's a lot of people out there that just absolutely will not handle any sort of spicy, and that's fine. And so they can stick to black. Um, me, personally, I like spicy, so red is my favorite, too. Um but yeah, the, the red has been nuts. We're working on, uh, we've got two more flavors in the pipeline right now. If you can imagine, it's a lot of work and a couple bucks to uh, launch a flavor. So we're about to flip a coin to figure out what our third flavor is going to be. It's between two. They're, uh, they're going to be, they're going to be pretty good. I, I can promise you that. Um, so we're pretty excited. The red, if you ordered it uh, this week, if you, you know, we shipped within 24 hours or we die trying. Um, so we've had a few delays from, from COVID, but nothing crazy, like, you know, a day or two at the, at the worst. And I'm pretty good at communicating. I'll send emails saying, Hey, you know, because of this and that we've had this problem and usually everyone's super friendly about it. Um, but yeah, so if you ordered it, it, it shipped awesome. and, um, yeah, it's on the way you're going to, you're going to like the red it's, it's spicy, but it's not, it's not going to kill you. Like my wife doesn't like spicy and she, she likes it. So well, good deal. Yeah, I got a I got a friend. He's got 
I mean, on top of red hair, he's got freckles and, oh, yeah. perfect. and he, I mean, he just, he do, he loves to eat hot things, but his face like breaks out and he gets real red and starts sweating. And it's just, it's a show to watch him eat like hot wings or like straight up peppers. Like he just loves to eat them straight up. And so no, he's going to be super excited um, about this one. So I, I told him about that. They, that musket powder has a, as a hot one. So he was excited. But yeah. Well, good, good. Let him know that it's getting, uh, you know, it's pushing the boundaries on uh, obscurities with the usage, you know, that everyone likes the musket powder original because you can put it on not just like your steaks, but what people overlook and then people write in and tell me all the time is like, Oh my gosh, I put it on my coleslaw. I put it on my potato salad. I put it on my, um, chicken soup, like the sides. I put it on my asparagus, my Brussels sprouts, my carrots, my, you know, all these sides, people forget that you can season your sides. Like everyone seasons the steak, everyone seasons the chicken, but people forget that, you know, you've got that big hunk of a bland potato salad that your aunt says she made herself, but everyone knows she bought it at the store and put it in a jar, they put it in a bowl. <laughs> and and just fluffed it up a over. little bit. Yeah, fluffed it up. So yeah, dust that son of a gun with uh, musket powder. It's awesome. And so with the red, people are riding in. Musket powder black was a huge hit with breakfast, like eggs and bacon. People went nuts. This red has like started like a breakfast cult. People are freaking out because people like hot sauce on their eggs. Like that's no, yeah. that's nothing new. And so now that they have a seasoning that does it for them, people are going nuts. Um, I've gotten a lot of pictures of margarita and Bloody Mary rims. Ooh, with the hot on there. With the hot on it. That's awesome. Yeah, I've gotten a lot of pictures of uh, those like uh, micheladas, like the Bud Light Clamatos and the Modelo uh, micheladas. You know, those one time those tomato beers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, at your local Hispanic store, I love them. It's like it, it makes drinking before five a lot easier. Anyways, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I tell you, we were, uh, I'm a I'm a teacher, so I mean, this is already going to make me lose my job. But yeah, we haven't <laughs> been in school, and my wife's been working from home, and yeah, like. I got a bunch of stuff done in the morning and I, yeah, cracked a, cracked a beer and she's like 11. Really? <laughs> really? Like, oh my goodness. I wasn't even paying attention. Yeah. No, it's, yeah, I can imagine. Like, like I said, I'm so happy. I'm still going to work and it's because I'd be doing that exact same thing. I'd be like, Oh, I'll just crack a beer. Um, so yeah, you're in good company, but yeah, I've been getting a lot of pictures of those uh, red beers with it. Um, uh, Mac and cheese has been a big one. I'm getting a lot of customer, pictures of mac and cheese like everything from craft mac and cheese dusted with it to uh like gourmet nice homemade someone took the time to make mac and cheese mac and cheese um a lot of uh, grilled cheese um we did ribs with it the other day like baby back on the smoker and you gotta do one thing i will like tell people if you're gonna do ribs with it make sure you do a low low temperature because we did it at 250 and it was delicious and it tasted great. But the only problem is, is that the ingredients, which is you know, like the brown sugar and the coffee, gave it a killer crust. So at first we thought that we like torched it. We're like, what happened? Oh, gotcha. And then we cut into it and it was fine. It was delicious. Like there's nothing wrong with them. But the appearance was, it definitely set us back. So if you're going to do like a competition or something where, you know, presentation counts, definitely do a low on pork with musket powder. But, you know, and if you think you burnt it, you probably didn't because so. we cut in like we'll cut into it let's see what it looks like and it was perfect it was absolutely perfect now i've heard like let's say i'm searing a steak um yep. and i've heard like 
yeah, salt, throw, throw salt on it when you're, you know, you're doing your, your reverse sear or whatever, and you go to that high heat, like salt's a mineral. It can't burn. Like it can just add the flavor to it. Um, but to then add your pepper, your black pepper yeah. after, because otherwise so, like you get it and you incinerate it, all the oils evaporate and it's no good. Is that kind of how I should handle like, let's say searing a steak with the same thing with musket powder? Here's what I do. So would you consider, and I, I, I'm recently, I think I've been reverse searing this whole time. Didn't realize it. Would you consider sous vide a steak and throwing it in a skillet? Would you consider that a reverse sear? I would. Okay, I mean, that's so exactly been, what's going on. I have been reverse searing for a long time and never realized it. So I just got a pellet grill uh, recently, which I'm still not proud of, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> I mean, seriously, it's time. Like, I'm not messing with a fire. I just press a button and walk away. So, I mean, it's worth every penny. But um, their version of reverse sear is like a low temperature and then crank the temperature up. And I wasn't crazy about it, but I, I do like the reverse sear, which I just found out 10 seconds ago from you that I have been reverse searing this whole time with the sous vide. So what I do with that reverse sear is I, whether you're smoking, baking, or sous vide, before you put it in the skillet, so musket powder has uh, brown sugar and coffee in it, which gives it a, and the black pepper, like you mentioned, but it gives it a killer uh, crust. I take the meat and I brush it with mayonnaise and then I roll it again in musket powder and you throw it on in between the mayonnaise, the brown sugar, the coffee, and the black pepper, it will give you a crust that'll dull your knife. And it is so delicious. That's awesome. Just yeah. straight up mayonnaise. And mayonnaise. I put, I, I take the squeeze. Yeah. The, uh, yeah. Or the squeeze. Like if you're doing a bunch of like duck breasts, I'll squeeze it into a bowl and just throw all the breasts in that bowl and just mix it up with your hand and then throw them all in the musket powder bowl and then mix it up with your hand, and then throw it back on the skillet with butter. It's just, and it's nuts. That's great. That's great. Yeah, I just talked to a guy, and maybe I'll, I'll send this over to him as well, because he was talking about searing, and he, he, he plays with his food too much. He's got ADD. He can't let things do it. He can't, like, he's got burger. He's going to flip it three or four times. And it's God, like, that sounds familiar. Yeah. <laughs> But then the same thing he goes, I do the same thing with the steak. I just gotta flip it. I gotta I gotta mess with it. And I'm like, dude, don't don't touch it. And I know no. there's several different camps, but at the same time, it's like if you're gonna do like a piece of whole muscle like that, like let it sit sit, let it sear, and just having that audible sound like you were just describing, <sighs> having the mayonnaise on there, I think just like just let it do its thing. It's gonna let go when it's ready, and like the reward is totally worth it. I told the guy, you got, you got to put a timer. Put two minutes on there and then do mm-hmm. not touch it. Let it beep and then touch it. And that's all part of your, like, you're just, your culinary expertise. Like you're just having to, it's a it's a skill you have to work on. Because I get it. Like you want to flip it. You want to move it. And nope, let it do its thing. So I'm stoked to hear about the mayonnaise aspect of it. And then, yeah, just throwing the musket powder on, even with that mayonnaise. And that's going to just add to the crust. Oh, yeah. It'll be nuts. Like it, you'll... Mm, it is so good. I'm kind of hungry right now. <laughs> but, yeah, that that reverse sear with the the mayonnaise musket powder and, and honestly, man, like I did the whole thing where I cranked the pellet grill up and I just wasn't really impressed. So I went to what I know and I just fired up the cast iron and just hammered it down the cast iron. And I mean, I'm sorry, I, I'm I'm such a cast iron junkie that like I don't know, you just can't beat it. You really can't. 
It is. Just along with, like you said, with the Biltong, like this caveman science, caveman cooking, yep. we're going back to pioneer times. Like, you know, it still works, folks. And in fact, it works better. better. You know, we've tried to simplify things. We've tried to make things quicker, but it turns yep. out mushy. It turns out gray. No, go back to what what we know works. And that's yep. yeah, heavy duty right there. Fire and metal, man. Well, hey, we've come to the end of uh, of our show, and I'm going to switch it up on you a little bit here, Ward. Um, yeah. At some point, you have ended up on death row. It could be for oh, a lot of reasons. It could yeah. be missing the pigs. It Uh-oh. could <laughs> it could be uh, having a pellet grill and still calling yourself <laughs> a hunter. But uh, anyway, you are on death row. We're putting you down. We're going to let you – no, we're not going to let you choose how that way, but we are going to let you choose your death row meal. So I'm about ready to pull the switch, but I'm going to let you have one more meal. What is it going to be? Well, first of all, if it's not cooked by my mother, it's no dice. <laughs> my mother – It's so technically I'm the third generation. I'm a big, hairy, ugly dude, and my mom is just like really petite, classy pretty blonde it, it makes no sense like it just people expected my mother to like carry around a rolling pin and like hit people with it and like she's just like she's this dainty girl <laughs> and um she makes this uh so she's a second generation she makes this recipe i guess my grandma fired up with and it is a biscuits and gravy recipe that's so insane that um when I was a kid, I used to have like a thermos full of it. Like that's how fat I was. Like <laughs> <laughs> some kids, yeah, they're bringing PB and J to school. No, I got a thermos of thermos gravy, <laughs> of sausage gravy. <laughs> and then my mom would be like, "Like you know, you're kind of overweight," and be like, "You feed me sausage gravy in a thermos. <laughs> what do you expect?" So um, it is. Now, if you don't have venison, you can use Jimmy Dean sausage, but it's two pounds of sausage. Venison, when applicable, Jimmy Dean, no big deal. One quart of half and half. By the way, all of this is on my website, uh, musketpowder.com, under the recipe. Well, you sent me, I think, this recipe, and I have it in the safe. I think I have it folded up because it said (laughs) secret. That's ripple. That's ripple. No, that's a chili recipe. Oh, that was the chili recipe. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. right. Because I'm supposed the to chilies. take the can of beans and, and burn throw it. it out. There we go. Yep. Yeah. Burn the trash can that the beans are sitting in. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, that I don't know if that's on my website. I'll upload it. So, um, anyways, what you do is you take an onion, you dice it up. You take a jalapeno, you dice it up, and you saute it in some butter. And then you add the sausage to it, and you brown it all up. Drain the grease. Now, in a completely different, like a, like a mixing bowl, like a small mixing bowl or a measuring cup, whatever, whisk some cornstarch with a half a cup of half and half. And you whisk it till it's thick. Now, then you pour that mixture into the meat. Uh, so you got your jalapeno, your onion, and your meat, and then you pour that mixture on top of it. Mm. And you just, at medium heat, you reduce the heat, and you keep stirring till it's thick. Now, if it's not thick, you just add... Just keep adding little bits amounts of cornstarch until it's to the thickness that you like. And sometimes it takes, like, you know, a teaspoon to a tablespoon. Okay, so then put the biscuits. We don't even do homemade biscuits. Like, we're 
don't have time for that. I mean, it'd be cool, but not realistic. Um, at that point, you know, the Pillsbury, yeah, yeah just crack it, them it, open. Yeah, exactly. At that point. So you take the biscuits, brush them with a, a, a beaten egg. Yeah, what's the word I'm looking for? Egg wash. Yeah. Brush them with a beaten egg, put them in, cook them. Okay. So then what you do, then you take the rest of the half and half, add it to the mixture, keep stirring. When the biscuits are done, you break them open. Um, recently, I put a fried egg on top of each side of my biscuit and then put the gravy on top, which might have taken a year off my life. Optional. Pour the gravy on top, and then if you really want to get crazy, and this is a tribute to my Cajun friends, put a diced tomato on top. Because what I learned working with those uh, Cajuns in Louisiana is that there's white gravy and brown gravy for guys like you and me. But then once you head below I-10 on the Alabama, Mississippi, uh, um, Louisiana, tri-state area, there is a tomato gravy. And the little joke I came from this is there's tomato, tomato, and then mater. They call it mater gravy. <laughs> M-A-T-E-R, mater. Mater I'll never forget gravy. Mater gravy. Wow. I'll never forget walking through the buffet line on the rig. I'm like, what is this red stuff? I'm like, man, that's mater gravy. You ain't never had mater gravy? I was just like, something tells me if I say no and or decline, I'm going to get thrown off the rig. So I just covered everything in mater gravy, and it was damn good. Wow. My eyes are being opened up so much yeah. right now. Yeah, tomato, tomato, and mater. And mater. Well, hey, that, that biscuits and gravy sounds incredible. And then, yeah, taking the, the diced tomato and uh, throwing it on top. Yep. That's that's how you want to leave this world, huh? That's yep. the last the, with thing. With the fried egg. The fried egg. That, now, I've only done the fried egg once, and it was so insane that I just, like, had a moment. And I just, like, had to take a deep breath and then... I thought about it for about 30 minutes and I think I cracked a beer and then I called my mom and told her what I had done. <laughs> and uh, I think because everyone adds a little something. So like, this is my, so it's a third generation recipe. I think, I think I'm going to add, that's my staple. It's the egg. Is the egg on there. See, I've, I on quit it. ketchup and I now add eggs to burgers. That's what I did tonight. So okay, I maybe saw it's that. a generational thing. I saw that on your Instagram and that was nuts. Like that looks so good. I tell you, like, I am just over ketchup. I can't. I can't do it anymore. Even on uh, meatloaf, I got to go with like, like a molasses, something that's even thicker. But like I know molasses is thicker and sweeter than ketchup, but it caramelizes the top better. I just, yeah, I can't do it. Yep. I can't have it on my dogs. It's for kids now. It's something about it. Just the thought of it, man. Like how how does how does ten thousand pounds of tomatoes like turn into that? You know, what I mean, it's just kind of gross. I tell you. That's what it's all mixed together. That's what the Heinz they're, they're talking about. It's, it all goes into the batch. Yep. Yep. So that is my last meal. Oh, God. That's so good. Gotcha. I think if I flipped that switch, you'd still have a smile on your face. Oh, man. You have no idea. <laughs> I, I'm smiling right now. I'm just thinking about it. I've, I've had many mornings where it's just like, you know what? Like, my mom was such a good girl. Like, she knew, like, if I was having a rough time or, like, just a bad day, I got to wake up in the morning and be like, you know, I hate school. I hate, I, you know, I hate this class. I hate this teacher. I hate this coach, whatever it was. Like, I remember a hard time I was going through and I'd smell those biscuits cooking, that gravy cooking. I'd be like, she got up early to make this for me. You know, what a, what a gal. And like, it just made things, it made everything better, man. That's awesome. That's a great story. I love yeah. that Ward. Ward, we're on our way out. Tell folks, where can we find musket powder? Where can they order it? 
where can we find you? You can find me on Instagram, which is follow if you dare. Uh, there's a lot of cooking. There's a lot of craziness. I'm very outspoken about my beliefs and opinions, which has gotten me in trouble, and I just don't care. Uh, my Instagram account is at Ward Danger. My business is called Musket Powder. You can find it on Instagram at Musket Powder Official. Facebook is the same. Our YouTube channel, which isn't much to brag about, but something to check out, I believe is at Musket Powder. Um, you can find it by just Googling or by YouTubing Musket Powder. Uh, there's about four or five videos on there now. Um, if you want to buy my product, I totally understand that all seasonings taste exactly the same. They just have different labels. This is a completely different seasoning. And my website is www.musketpowder.com. And you will find it there. You will find the original and the red and soon to be some other flavors that are coming soon. What, and, uh, when can we expect that? Not, I mean, you're still working on it. I understand that. Not the, yeah. but I want the exclusive Oof. here. When, Man. when do I really need to start like opening my eyes? My goal is to have it done by the end of the quarter. And I know that seems a lot of time to get it done, but it'll blow your mind. Like it's so easy to call a commercial co-packer and say, uh, I need a habanero, you know, mango. And they're like, yeah, we've got one. Yeah, we'll blend it up for you. But I'm doing this myself. I'm telling the blender, I want this much of this, that much of that. And that's why it takes so much longer. Because all these blenders have a million flavors on standby, ready to go. And all you have to say is, how much? And here's a check that clears. That's what sets me apart from the other seasoning companies. I'm doing this myself. Now, I'm not saying that other seasoning companies don't do that. I'm just saying that, like, I'm not going to put a flavor out there unless I have completely poured everything I have into the R and D. That's awesome. That's, this is true craftsmanship. This is true family business right here. This is the backbone of, of our country. So folks, listeners, I think you just need to saddle up and get yourself some musket powder. I agree. That's awesome. Well, Hey Ward, go ahead and just hold on for a second. I'm going to send folks no out. Problem. Um, so yeah, folks head on over to, uh, musket, and uh, get you some. I know I'm going to be getting my hot here real soon. But, folks, uh, as long as you're out there cooking, have something to spice it up. And always keep your knives sharp.